Welcome back to The Word is Resistance, the podcast where we're exploring what our sacred texts have to teach us about living, surviving, even thriving. Yes, even thriving in the context of empire, tyranny, violence, and repression. The times in which we are living today. What do our sacred stories have to teach us as white folks about our role in resistance, in showing up, and in liberation? My name is Reverend Ann Dunlap. I'm a UCC pastor doing community ministry for racial justice and solidarity here in Denver, Colorado. You can learn more about me at fiercerevremedies.com. And I'm also the faith organizer for Showing Up for Racial Justice, or SURGE, nationally. This podcast is a project of SURGE Faith. SURGE is a national network of groups and individuals organizing white people for racial justice. So we want to remind folks that this podcast is designed for white people. White people talking to other white people about race and white supremacy. Of course, it would be wonderful for anybody and everybody to listen. This isn't meant to be white-only space. However, with our new podcast crew, we want to be explicit what white people like us, like me, have a responsibility to commit ourselves to resisting white supremacy white people have to resist racism. We have to resist all other forms of systemic injustice that we are invested in and complicit with. The word is resistance. I'm grateful to be back with you wherever you're listening to this right now. I'm actually sitting out in my backyard. I'm trying something a little different today. I'm just talking to you without... um, a written script uh, for you today. Um, we will have a transcript of this available um, online afterwards, but for now, there's something about today's text and the state of the world this week that seems to resist, <laughs> as it were, um, trying to put things down in too carefully crafted a manner. So I welcome you to my backyard. Um, there's a plane flying overhead at the moment. Uh, You may hear birds who are a little bit upset with me because apparently I'm in between them and the bird bath. It's uh, warm today, not too bad. Um, And uh, the herbs that uh, we have growing back here are looking pretty good. The comfrey, the raspberries, plantains, um, feverfew, mugwort, the nettles. Um, mostly herbs growing this year. Very happy lemon balm and mints. I might go uh, pick some of that later to chew on while I talk to you. So I welcome you here to this little piece of earth that we belong to uh, here in this place um, where the Arapaho and the Cheyenne belong. The sun is shining today very hazy cloud cover but but a sunshiny day 
So wherever you are, you might just imagine that you're sitting across this uh, backyard table, this metal table, um, and we're having a chat. I have my tea, looking out into the trees, and just having a chat. So, here in the backyard, in conversation with you, I'm struck with all of our texts. We have a big handful of texts today. Genesis, Jeremiah, Romans, Matthew, and two Psalms. Um, that's a lot to, to tackle. Um, but as I've been sitting with them and thinking about them in the context of... Uh, Black Lives Matter movements and the Philando Castile verdict and pride disruptions happening by um, queer and trans beloveds of color uh, and being jeered at by white gays and lesbians as uh, Charlena Lyles um, being murdered by the Seattle police, um, the young Muslim woman Nadra being murdered, the attack in London remembering Orlando, remembering the the nine in Charleston at Mother Emanuel AME, this week has felt very heavy to me, and my heart has felt very heavy. And I've thought about these, these texts and thinking about Matthew in particular. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace but a sword. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. What are we to make of that as white folk of faith, white Christian folk moving in our institutions, moving in our congregations, moving in the world, in the streets? I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. A sword, and Jesus is really clear in this reading from Matthew where he's, he's sending out his, his community, his people, the people that he's organized after the arrest of, of his cousin John, organized into the disciples. He's been teaching them with his, with his words, but also with his life, with his body, where he chooses to be, who he chooses to stand next to and show up with. And now he's sending the community out to do the same. He's sending these trained organizers now out to do the same, to live uh, the beloved community, the, the kingdom of heaven, to live it uh, with their bodies, not just their words. And he tells them right before this text that, that there's you know, the possibility that they'll be persecuted, that they may have to leave the town that they come to and go on to the next one. So there's this expectation that living into what Jesus teaches us will result in some hardship, will result in a lack of welcome. And, and so he gives this, these verses of instruction of, um, I think, first of all, 
in verse 24, the disciple is not above the teacher. I don't think that's about Jesus, that little section. I think that's saying that the, the evil, that those who are doing the evil are not stronger than the evil itself. Like that they don't have as much power as you think they do. So keep going, keep moving, have no fear of them. Nothing is, is covered up that will not be uncovered. Everything is going to come to light. Everything will come to light. Everything will be made bare, laid bare. And that God, who cares so much for two sparrows, for the sparrows sitting in the, in the birds here in these trees around me that maybe you, you hear, um, sparrow calls, wrens, and blackbirds, and I don't know what other else kind of birds, but God cares so much about those birds, the birds that are in these trees making noises at us, that God cares that much about us too. But not peace, but a sword. When you live the gospel, when you live it in your body, when you move in the world in that kind of uncompromised way, it will cost you. Jesus talks about family relationships, mothers and fathers and daughters and daughters-in-law. One's foes will be members of one's own household. That's a pretty stark thing to say. A stark thing to say. And yet that's what Jesus has come to do. That's what Jesus came and taught. That we have to make a choice. We have to take a side. We have to be willing to be uncompromised in what we believe. In what we practice. In what we embody. Knowing full well it could cost us and that it will cost us whoever does not leave me can you imagine that I'm thinking of these words as resource for for white folks in these times and I think the time is never perhaps been as more urgent as now to show up in this way that's uncompromised and bold and to be willing to take the consequences as allies and accomplices to people of color leading us. This is the model, Jesus says, that we should be following. Even our familial relationships. That even for the gospel, we should love the gospel more than we love our family, which is in a culture that uh, really worships the family, as did uh, the culture in Jesus' time, the Roman family, the way that that was central. Um, to the upholding of the Roman ideals of patriarchy. But if we're going to be held back from speaking truth, if we're going to be held back from embodying truth, we have to be willing to risk 
rupturing relationships from those who would ask us to be silent in the face of injustice. And so as allies and accomplices, I think we can take these words in our congregations, in our institutions, our faith institutions, but any institution really, and show up with that kind of boldness. Show up with that kind of uncompromising embodiment of who we say that we are. I ran across this quote in an article um, that Didi Delgado wrote, kind of calling into concern Serge's um, accountability to people of color. A very much needed critique. But in it, she quoted sex worker and activist Laura Lemoon, who says that an ally should be personally gaining nothing through their activism. In fact, if you were an ally, you should be losing things through your activism. Space, voice, recognition, validation, identity, and ego. We can add other things to that list. Space, voice, recognition, ego, access, power. The thing is, I see, having grown up in the church and worked for the church and minister in the church for a very long time, white folks liking to say a lot of good words about justice. But saying it in such a way that enhances our position enhances our coolness, enhances our, our sexy factor, if you will, makes us look good, helps us uh, climb up whatever ladders our denominations hold up for us as progress, as recognition. Maybe it's the next step up to the, to the bigger church with the bigger budget, to the senior pastorate. Maybe it's in your denomination to, to be a bishop or conference minister or whatever that may be, national staff rising up. How many of us have been in those meetings in churches where we've been told or even we have said, we can't say that so explicitly because it might make somebody mad. It might tick off the big donors. We might lose members. And so we stifle ourselves. We silence ourselves. We compromise ourselves. And instead of losing our life, we lose our power, we lose our voice. We lose our commitment to the gospel. We lose our way. I've seen it over and over. I've said it myself on justice topics. We have to craft it just right so we don't make anybody mad. But what Jesus is telling us in this text, you gotta be willing to make the people mad. The point of being a disciple, the point of being one of Jesus' organizers is not numbers, is not a hefty budget, 
is not the 300-member church on the corner. It's losing your life so that you can find it. Losing your life so that you can find it. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. I've been wondering about Jeremiah, this text today, the famous text about the fire being shut up in your bones, and what happens if you don't let that fire out? Does it eventually just die out? Instead of being a fire that that can transform, that can melt and be melded, the alchemy of spirit with metal. If we shut that fire up, what happens to us? If we as white folks in our institutions, in our faith institutions, our congregations, our, our denominational bodies, if we shut that fire up, then what happens to us? We die. But we don't die in a way that brings life. We die in a way that perpetuates the death-dealing of systemic oppression. And that's the opposite of what Jesus is calling us to do in Matthew. Whoever does not pick up the cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Those who lose, those who find their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake will find it. I think we hear those words and, 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 and I think sometimes we're supposed to be scared of them. But I think they're meant to be good news be good news for us, even as, as white folk, as white folks trying to find our way as allies and accomplices to people of color to get free together, allies and accomplices in the cause of collective liberation. It's meant to be good news. When you lay down the world as it is, as Bernice Johnson Reagan says, and shoulder up your cross, when you don't do it the way they say do it, she says. And I think what Jesus means here, whoever does not take up the cross is like, look around and see the ways that oppression punishes those who speak out against it and choose that. Loss of members, loss of donors, loss of position, loss of prestige, loss of how much are you losing? That's the quote, right? We should be losing things. That's what Jesus is saying too. We should be losing things and that is what makes us most fully alive. So I want to say to us, stay losing. Stay losing, I want to say to us as white folks, stay losing and that that's, that's the good news. Not everybody's going to like it. And we claim from our pulpits 
in our meetings that Black Lives Matter and then back that up with action, back that up with where we put our resources, back that up with who gets to make decisions, who gets to have power, shifting our own power out of the center, centering the lives and leadership of people of color. That's what it means to find our life as white folks. And it ain't easy. There's no, uh, there's no like sugarcoating here in Matthew or in Jeremiah or in the Psalms or even in Genesis. There's no sugarcoating that this is all just gonna be all right and fine. It's hard. But when you stay losing, you also stay finding. Finding new community finding new ways to be human, finding new ways to be alive, finding new ways to live in community together. And God, the whole point of this text, God cares about the sparrows, God cares about you. The divine breath that's blowing through this yard right now Maybe you can hear it, I'm not sure. This wind that's blowing through. That breath is in us. That breath is setting us on fire. That breath is giving us dreams and visions of something beyond the world that we live in now. Something that something else is possible. than police brutality, the bombing of brown bodies, and the detention of immigrant folks, and the attacks on our Muslim brothers and sisters, and our Jewish brothers and sisters, and siblings. Something else is possible. We stay grounded in that. Our feet on the earth in that. Jeremiah is so mad, God keeps calling him back to the work. <laughs> right? And yet, proclaims that God vindicates his prophetic stance. The psalmists are, are clear in demanding that God show up for them in their suffering. And even the Genesis story, even the Genesis story, Hagar thrown out into the, into the desert with a loaf of bread and a bag of water. Hagar, who's not the one that, that God called, supposedly. Just Abram, just Sarah. This slave woman whose existence, God hears her. God gives her the same promise 
that God gave to Abraham and Sarah. Your child will live. Your child will live into generation upon generation. That's God taking a side, is it not? For the one who was outcast, the slave woman, the enslaved woman who was outcast, who was considered a threat. It's not easy to stay losing. But it is the way to life. And it hurts. And it causes us grief and anguish. But Jesus is there. The divine is there. Our ancestors are there. Ready to help us. Ready to help us stay losing in this journey, in this struggle, and to find our lives. Amen. action today, I want to draw your attention to the disruption that took place at DC Pride uh, last weekend where um, queer and trans folk of color stopped the DC Pride parade um, for quite a long time with the uh, accomplished ship of some white folks, um, including some friends of mine, um, demanding that Pride stop colluding with the police and to stop the corporate sponsorship from companies that make a ton of money off the incarceration and detention and destruction of black and brown life, uh, as well as the destruction of the earth and the obliteration of indigenous sovereignty through building pipelines. Uh, companies like Wells Fargo, Lockheed Martin, uh, Walmart, and others. Um, an organization called Get Equal is doing some fundraising for them, and I will put that link in the transcript for you to find. So my call to action for you is, if you're, if you're connected with the faith community, urge that community the next time that you gather to use your offering that week to send either to Get Equal or if there is an organization where you live that is uh, led by queer and trans folk of color, uh, organizing for their liberation, uh, send it to them. Um, there are organizations like that in, um, uh, around the country, but if you don't know of one um, in your town or city, do a little research, see if you can find one, or you can also support Get Equal. If you're not connected to a, a faith community, maybe round up some friends and uh, do the same. 
do a just do a little online fundraiser even share why you're giving and challenge five or ten of your friends to do the same to support the uh, liberation of queer and trans folk of color it's important to note that um, as seems to be the case when uh, pride is disrupted uh, around the country by queer and trans folk of color that the white uh, gay and lesbian folks get, get a bit upset um, and yell and uh, scream at the activists uh, applaud when they're arrested as happened in Columbus um, uh, jeer at the families of those who have been queer folks who've been murdered by police has happened um, here in Denver two years ago. So it's an opportunity right now during Pride Month to show the liberation of queer and trans folks of color and to follow their lead as a pride that's celebrating assimilation into a violent capitalist white supremacist system is no pride at all. And I'll have that link for you uh, in the transcript and at our SoundCloud site. So thanks for joining me today in this kind of different version. Uh, me sitting in my backyard, kind of pouring my heart out to you in a way. Um, the transcript of this week, as always, will include resources at the end to support your actions. So let us know how it goes. I would love to hear from you all um, by commenting on our SoundCloud or Facebook pages. And we'll be back next week with another new member of our podcast contributor crew, Blythe Barno, giving us a resistance word for the text for July 2nd. You can find out more about Surge at showingupforracialjustice.org, and our podcast lives at SoundCloud. Search on The Word is Resistance. You can interact with us there if you have questions or need help with action ideas. And the transcripts are also available at our website, which include references, credits, and copyright info. The music you hear is a live recording of a song gifted to the freedom movement by Dr. Vincent Harding. We are building up a new world. The group you hear singing is No Enemies, a multiracial group of activists and musicians in Denver, Colorado, who come together for movement choir practice to bring singing back into direct actions and other movement spaces. This particular choir practice is from December 2014, being led by Minister Daryl J. Walker. We are deeply grateful to the Freeney Harding family for letting us use the song for this podcast. As always, in your losing, blessings to you in all that you do to resist injustice and in all that you do to build up a new world. Love and liberation, beloveds. Love and liberation. Until next time, I'm Reverend Ann Dunlap. Thank you so much.